director, actor, writer, producer, Tim Robbins, is proud to introduce Babo Supreme, originally conceived as a film and adapted for a new realm of aural entertainment in pandemic times. Babo Supreme is a hard-hitting, bitingly funny, no-holds-barred look at the hypocrisy, deception, and danger in the current American political landscape. A satirical fever dream in five parts. New York Film Festival director Eugene Hernandez was delighted to welcome Tim Robbins and his all-star cast, including Jack Black, Haley Joel Osment, Carrie Kenny Silver, Rita Brent, Ray Wise, and Ted Levine, along with composer David Robbins, for a special panel discussion followed by the premiere of the first episode. The immersive aural entertainment experience debuts today on Patreon. Learn more at patreon.com slash Presents. Thank you to Film at Lincoln Center members for helping to make the Film at Lincoln Center podcast possible and for playing such a vital role in all we do. Membership started just $85 and offer discounted tickets year-round, including at the 50th New York Film Festival, early purchasing periods, exclusive invitations to member events and film clubs, and much more. If you're interested in supporting Film at Lincoln Center by becoming a member, visit filmlink.org members today. Hi, everyone. My name is Eugene Hernandez. I'm the director of the New York Film Festival. Uh, we are thrilled to be hosting this virtual event today. You know, even though um, this Tim and this terrific group of people that we've assembled here uh, created, a, created a program that, we're, that we can all listen to and that will exist in a virtual environment, um, in an old version of this festival, I would have imagined us gathering around a, a stage and a, you know, or something at Lincoln Center, and we'd probably just like be, you know, dimming the lights and listening to um, to what you all have created. So today we're doing it a little bit differently in light of um, the world we live in. But I guess it's also the world we live in that that in, invited you all or encouraged you all to do things a little bit differently. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Um, we are so thrilled to have um, Tim Robbins here with. Uh, a, a cast that he worked with and creators that he worked with to uh, to birth uh, Babo Supreme. Um, we'll talk uh, we'll talk about the first episode because we don't want to go too far into the uh, in too far into the narrative, Tim, because not everybody will have listened to all of this yet. Uh, um, this is just the beginning. This is the uh, the premiere of, of this terrific uh, new series. Um, I'm, I'm at a loss for words on what to even call it because it's something new for us at the festival and something new uh, or, or maybe something old is new in a certain way because it's certainly not a new approach to storytelling. So um, with that with that said, I just want to thank uh, Tim Robbins for reaching out to, to us at the New York Film Festival and sharing um, Babo Supreme with us and uh, we just really clicked with it and loved it and for folks that have already had a chance to listen to it, um, you know how topical and timely it is, and we're going to talk about that as well. So I'm going to start by saying hello, thank you, and welcome to Tim Robbins. And in a second, we'll introduce uh, the other guests as well. But Tim, thank you for joining us first and foremost. Thank you so much for hosting us. I really appreciate it. Um, in a second, I I would like to ask you to introduce the, the other faces folks sure. uh, either see on the screen or for those listening on the podcast, the voices they're about to hear. Um, but before we do that, um, I think it would be great, Tim, if you don't mind, uh, if you just kind of kind of set the set the stage for us. Um, tell us about where Babo Supreme came from, and then in a moment we'll introduce uh, some of the other folks who are here with us in this conversation. 
Well, um, I wrote it two summers ago um, in uh, Boston. I had an apartment. I was doing a, a show there, and I had an apartment that overlooked Boston Commons. And I thought a lot about Crispus Attucks and the start of the revolution. And I wanted to write something that was reflecting what we were going through uh, in this country uh, with our leadership. And I started reflecting on a movie I did in 1991-92 called Bob Roberts. And um, I didn't, I've been asked to write a sequel to it, but I didn't really want to write a sequel to it. And as I started to write it, I, I realized it wasn't Bob. It was uh, something else. It was more, it was closer to this character called Ubu Wa, which is a, 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 a surrealist play from the early part of the 20th century, the first performance of, of which uh, the, the Parisian audience ripped up the seats of the theater and threw them onto the stage and, and had a riot because they were so offended by the character of Ubu Wa, Ubu the King. And so um, as I was writing it, it seemed that was natural. That's how it came out. He is an unbridled, unhinged id that doesn't have any filter. He is uh, the basest kind of um, character uh, that you could imagine and, and set the stage, by the way, for all these art forms that followed from Dadaism to Surrealism to Expressionism. It, it kind of burst the bubble of what theater was at the time. And so I was looking for something like that, something that would tap into the id. I think that's where the answers lie. I think that's where the truth is. In, in, in examining why we are in this problem. And it's not just our leadership, it's our own it's. It's mm -hmm. our own, it's our own, um, it's our own subconscious. Mm. And so that's why a lot of the, uh, the, the piece is set in a dream because I feel it, 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 we are living in, in, in a bit of a, a nightmare right now. Yeah. Mm. In a moment, uh, we'll talk about how much, uh, well, we'll talk about that nightmare and how, um, how it's evolving even in the, couple of weeks since you first shared this this uh this piece with uh with me um at least tim uh but it certainly has evolved since uh since you conceived this a couple of years ago so we'll get into that in just a moment but uh for folks either watching this video uh or folks listening on the podcast i want to give you a chance to introduce um the players uh the collaborators yeah. that who are on, who are here with us so folks can uh see and hear them so if you don't mind uh, introducing each person and their role uh, that would be great. All right. And as I introduce you, Wave, if, so if the people that are watching can see who we're talking about. So this is David Robbins, my brother, who composed the music and the score of, of this and uh, co-wrote the songs with me for uh, the Bobo Supreme. And uh, we have Carrie Kenny Silver, who plays one of the Bobo's aides at one point and also plays one of the uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff. And we have Haley Joel Osmond, who plays the head nerd in the Twitter war room, uh, which is in the White House, which is uh, his, his uh, operation central for the messaging he puts out. Uh, we have uh, Rita Brent, who plays a character called Polly, who Bob calls on the phone, Bobo calls on the phone, and also uh, is one of the singers, in uh, backup singers in one of uh, Bobo's songs, uh, and doesn't really like the lyrics the way they were written and chooses to <laughs> to sing her own lyrics. Um, <laughs> and uh, we also have uh, Ray Wise, who is uh, playing a character called McMurph, who is uh, Babo's chief of staff. Uh, Ray is one of uh, our, my uh, inspirations for many years, and uh, I cast him in my first film, Bob Roberts, uh, in a role of an advisor of Bob Roberts. 
I'm not sure it's the same person. It's uh, his name is McMurph, which is a different name than than Ray <laughs> played in Bob Roberts. And last but not least, Jack Black, who uh, is a friend of mine for many many years, and uh, who is also in the original Bob Roberts, and who I've seen. Uh, there's been a, quite a few uh, um, uh, tweets going around sharing his last scene in in Bob Roberts, which is so weirdly uh, relevant right now. Uh, he played this uh, kind of, um, what, what would you say, Jack, a psychopathic? Uh, yeah, he was a, he was a psycho fan of Bob Roberts, and he, uh, he was young and impressionable. And I, I think that you, you created the three psychopath boys that were wearing the trench coats trying to emulate your whole vibe uh, based on a Bob Roberts documentary called Don't Look Back. And there's a scene in that documentary where there's three guys who just love Bob, Bob uh, Dylan so much, yeah. and, um, and that nervous energy, and uh, that's the gotta, it's got to be yes. the origin of that. Yes, it was. Right? Yeah. And, and yeah. so I just sort of tapped into that that psycho fanniness of, of yeah. And so uh, and Jack is also in the Actors Gang uh, for uh, many years, and he's uh, been a friend. I, I I think I cast you in your first thing when you were twelve years old. You did. You gave me my big break when I was 12 in a theater production. And you were just fresh out of UCLA theater department at that time. And then, and then you gave me my, my first break in a movie. My, my first movie was Bob Roberts. And I was nervous as hell. Were you? And you told me, just use that nervousness because your character is super nervous to meet Bob Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> and we have yeah. one more person who just joined us, Tim. Uh, Ted Levine, who plays uh, a character called uh, Reeve Bindle. Uh, who is uh, a, a, one of uh, Babo's secret advisors. So Welcome, Ted. Thank you. Welcome. Thank welcome you. to everyone. Thank you for taking the time uh, to share with us this uh, conversation. We'll talk for a little while, and at some point uh, shortly, we'll take questions from the audience. So if you do have questions, please send them on in through Zoom, and we'll get, those, um, we'll get to those shortly. Um, so uh, there's a few different places I want to go in this conversation to start, Tim. And um, I'm going to start by, uh, I'm going to start with uh, Ray and Jack because of the connection to Bob Roberts. And I think that, that for folks who, uh, well, for anyone who's watching or listening to this who hasn't seen Bob Roberts, I've seen it numerous times. Um, I, I first of all encourage people to, after this is over, do that. Um, because I think it will, I think it will, well, at least for me and listening to this, Tim, and I've been able to hear all, all the episodes. Thank you. Um, I see, I see connections. I see threads. I see uh, links. Um, so maybe for Ray and Jack and Tim, tell us about, let's elaborate on some of what you, you guys just started talking about, uh, Jack and Tim. Uh, the, some of the connections between the characters, the material, the environment, even if the, some, even if some of the, characters have changed, uh, some of the world that's being explored, uh, maybe how you were thinking about that, the connections to Bob Roberts, perhaps. Mm. Yeah, I can start. Um, I, uh, in Bob Roberts, I played a character called, oh, there's Ted. I see him now. Ted Levine checking in. Hello. I, uh, I played a character uh, by the name of Chet McGregor. Um, I was the campaign manager, or one of the campaign managers for Bob, Bob Roberts' campaign. And, um, and in the, the new piece, I play uh, McMurph. I guess I went from being Scottish to uh, Irish. And, uh, <laughs> and McMurph is the chief of staff for Bob Roberts and uh, all the for difficulties. Bob 
Baba, Baba yeah, Supreme. Ba oh, yeah, for Babo Supreme, yes. I'm. <laughs> forgive me. I still have Roberts on the brain. Babo Supreme, and of course, being chief of staff, uh, you know, entails all the problems that any ordinary chief of staff would have. And of course, in uh, today's troubled times, that chief of staff has even more problems. So, um, <laughs> and so he has to deal with Bob, and he tries to deal with him with kid gloves and very delicately, uh, but he tries to make his point firmly, but uh, it's very difficult to deal with the headstrong uh, bobble. And um, so there are many similarities, but uh, I also miss uh, Alan Rickman and Gore Vidal very much, uh, who were in the first uh, Bob Roberts, and um, they, were, they were a big part of... Uh, of, of that movie, and uh, I, I miss them immensely. And anyway, uh, go ahead, Jack. Well, um, <clears throat> I was thinking a lot about it because, uh, yeah, you, we, Tim, when he first started talking about this project, he was talking about it as a kind of a, 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 a sequel to Bob Roberts, and then later he kind of went away from that and focused more on, on the, uh, a, a sort of new ubu. But uh, I was thinking, how, how, could, how could my character from Bob Roberts, who is this sort of, you know, almost a neo-Nazi sort of uh, young uh, worshiper of Bob Roberts' right-wing icon, how would he have grown up? Because he ended up just a total basket case at the end of Bob Roberts. He had a tattoo on his forehead, and he was just like, just this... Uh, you know, it seemed like he was going to go on some kind of killing rampage and end in a, in a fiery ball. I couldn't imagine him living much longer. Or if he did, he would definitely be, you know, a member of QAnon or some some kind of like a <laughs> radical right wing danger group. But um, I kind of went away from that when we were talking more about it in depth. Me and me and Tim did a couple uh, rehearsals, just the two of us, and he was he was talking about. Uh, um, Stephen Miller as someone to loosely base my character on this sort of quiet dweeby confidant who you know was bullied or something in high school and it shaped his uh, world view and he just wanted revenge and he had a lot of hate in his heart and, and so that's kind of what I focused on but the similarities of Bob Roberts and, and this project were, were uh, I think that Bob Roberts, correct me if I'm wrong, I, 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 I don't know if I can really speak to this, but I feel like it was kind of a reaction to the, the Reagan era of, of politics where it's this celebrity. It was like, if you remember at the time, wait a second, he's this actor who's sitting now suddenly yeah. the most beloved uh, uh, president, uh, Republican president of all time. And it's so much based on this sort of like, Hero of the people, or the he's a he's more of a walking cliche, really, and and it started this weird poison uh, in American politics that I think Tim really tapped into the danger of it because to this day he's still revered as the greatest president of all time among certain circles, not not certain circles, half the country, <laughs> and so there is a connection, even though people don't really want to draw a connection between Reagan to Trump. But there is a direct line there that no one really talks about. And I think that's kind of the most important connection between the two. 
is there's this fucking connection between the two. And mm. so it's cool that yeah. Tim is a voice talking about where we are in this personality <laughs> politics. Wait a second, Ray, are you killing an insect above you? What's going on? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, my, yeah, my, my, it's my dog. You <laughs> can, can, can fly. Like the room. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. He's a loud dog. I'm okay. glad he had interrupted because I was going off on a tangent. Well, well, yeah, uh, it was a good uh, tangent. Yeah, Tim. Tim, that Bob was talking about. Bob Roberts was talking yeah. about was the appropriation of culture too. The yes. idea that you can take folk music or you can take rock and roll and and apply it. In, 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 in a way that was not its intent. And um, that was being done already in the culture. Um, I remember there was a, a, a when, I think, it, I forgot who was running for what, but uh, they were playing Springsteen's Born in the USA. And it, you know, they obviously didn't know what that song was about. It, and and I, I took offense at that, and so did you know the people that made that. You know, Bruce was you know like, please don't do that, and uh, they still do it now. They still appropriate um, songs of rebellion for the for the complete antithesis of what that song was supposed to be about. Mm. Yeah, and and Tim, there were certainly um, to go more deeply into this and to, you know, I think, I think Bob Roberts, the, the, the movie, the character, the era in which it emanated, there are underpinnings. There are, there's a foundation that, that we can sort of see now with time looking back um, that certainly, or I think many people might agree, um, has, has real impact on the world we live in now, or that there's a, there's a connection, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. Like, I think Bob Roberts showed us something that, that in, in one way that we couldn't have really imagined fully. I mean, you were imagining something that, that um, I don't think any of us thought would become as real and go even further than it has today. Success, you mean a successful businessman that runs for political office that also is a big fan of beauty pageants? <laughs> there's that there's that <laughs> I, I was wondering i'm starting to wonder if you made it happen tim <laughs> that's the question I'm you the willed master. it happen <laughs> well it, it's interesting to try to figure out what the what the the next thing is with Baba supreme is is the is trying to tap into what that is that is beyond uh, using politics and celebrity and uh, the show business aspect of it and what it goes into beyond that and what the real philosophy is behind this mm -hmm. for all its uh, distraction and for all its um, uh, ability to control the news cycle. There's something deeply dark about what the intent is. And I think that was the, the real motivation to do this is to try to find a satire in these times is really difficult um, to satirize a satire, but it was, it was about getting into what the projection is. What is the projection of this, the, the intent here? And um, I don't want to give away the ending, but it is uh, something that is starting to be said by this guy. Uh, and this is one of the reasons we were editing as quickly as we could, because each day we were doing it, there was another part of it coming true. And so we wanted to make sure that we were out before all of it came true. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. 
Here we are. I, of course, you know what? When we did Bob Roberts, you know, there there was really no internet, right? And we certainly didn't have any of the social media that we have today. And and uh, we, you know, we we did it the old-fashioned way: boots on the ground, you know, running around in a bus. And uh, today, uh, you know, the it, it, everything supports that cult of uh, celebrity, that cult of personality. Yeah, it was challenging to do this. Uh, you know, <clears throat> everyone did it remotely. Um, uh, everyone, 35 different locations. Um, and <laughs> um, all tapping into one engineer who mm. named uh, Brendan Solomon, who is genius. And uh, and Dave did, did the uh, music all by himself. He, he didn't have the luxury of assembling a band, so he had to, to play all the parts. Uh, and... Uh, so it was like a bunch of one-man bands getting together to try to create an ensemble piece. It was it was a great challenge, and the actors were so so generous with with their time and their talent. And uh, I think we've got something pretty special here. So let me let me tap into some of that ensemble now. Let me ask uh, a few folks who we haven't heard um, heard from yet. Um, and again, some folks are. Some audience members are just listening to this, so they're only gonna hear your voices. Others will be able to tune in and see your faces too. But, um, you know, um, Rita and Carrie and uh, Ted, Haley, Joel, I would love to just learn a little bit more about, uh, well, tell me about, maybe anybody can start. Tell me about the, the kind of initial outreach. Tell me about the first conversations you had with Tim about your character. Tell me about sort of how you, how you read some of the, uh, the connections uh, between the piece and your character to the real world and 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 were you thinking about individual uh, specific people perhaps that that might have a have a role in the in the show that we're the the, the nightmare and show that we're seeing and play out in front of us on a daily basis right now um, or to what extent you were talking about that connections to reality connections to sort of fantasy if you will with your characters I guess I can start uh, this is Rita so I was really excited to find out my role, which would be singing lyrics that were not on the page, because that is absolutely something I would do in real life as a, <laughs> as a form of resistance, you know, take a gig, because I've been asked before, I'm a stand-up comedian, so I've been asked before, would you perform at a Trump rally or a Trump event? And I said, of course I would, but I would go a completely different route than they think I would. So. Uh, yeah, and I kind of tapped into, I was thinking about the background singers for Ray Charles in that movie and how uh, how much attitude and flair they had. Uh, that's kind of what I tapped into, you know. So uh, I was I was excited to be part of this, but it was also kind of eerie because it's like, man, this really is a reflection of what's really happening. And I hope some of these things do not come true because um, I'm going to have to move. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I had a great time uh, singing, but that's something I would do in real life, just change up the lyrics and, and be kicked out. <laughs> Rita also has the, the, one of my uh, favorite rant that I've ever written. Uh, uh, Bobble calls her on the phone and yes. thinks he's going to persuade her to vote for him, and uh, Rita just lets loose. <laughs> yes. Because I get those text messages now, you know, hey, Rita, are you going to vote for so-and-so? And sometimes I'll text back the rant I did in, in Bible Supreme. I'll text back, like, uh, no, so-and-so, I'm not going to vote for this so-and-so. Uh, but I, I will not let my grandmother listen to this because of that rant that you wrote, Tim. So she won't get to appreciate your brilliance. Yeah, I can't let her hear that. But 
Yeah, you know, you get those unsolicited texts about are you going to vote for somebody? And you're like, hell no, I'm not voting for that person. So, yeah, that was a great rant. I hope to use it in real life. <laughs> um, this is uh, Carrie speaking. Um, and I'll say, Rita, it's funny that you mentioned, uh, you know, letting I, – I don't let my son – what my son's 15 years old and I've sort of stopped letting him uh, watch the president, uh, which is crazy to me. Um, but uh, I, at the debate, I made the decision like, you know what, that's a wrap. I'll let you know what's going on. Um, but this, uh, I want him to hear. Uh, it's sort of like, to me, it's this, um, at first when Tim was talking about it, it was like, at any other time, this would just completely be a farce, you know, this would be satirical, dark, you know, just a black comedy. Um, but uh, I think it's a great delivery system for people hearing what is actually really happening. I think if you can kind of laugh along the way and sneak the, the truth in between, I think it's a great way to get to people. Um, so I was really happy to, to be asked to be part of this. I played several different people and, and they're, they run the gamut from his yes men slash women to, uh, people that are just out and out making fun of him. Um, uh, probably the most fun was the, uh, radio show people to be able to act as if I am just pulling all the piss out of this person and just laugh. Like I haven't laughed that hard in seven months since this all began. So it felt so good to have that cathartic laugh at his expense. Um, it felt uh, therapeutic. So thank you for that, Tim. <laughs> thank you. I'll come in. This is, uh, <clears throat> this is Haley coming to you from my computer. Um, I, I think it was just such an impressive thing to behold when you're on the sidelines watching people sub in and having like, you know, a, a dozen or two dozen different audio tracks going at once and trying to make it that the internet connection stayed stable. So they were going like, somebody like, get off, get back on, like trying to make sure that we could all be interacting in that space. And the effect of it was totally unique for performance because you just had all these different voices that would come in and out. And sometimes we would... Uh, you know, become voices of a crowd outside, either pro-Babo or anti-Babo screaming and everything, which is some of the most fun uh, that I had. But uh, yeah, I mean, it just the experience of, you know, I had my computer up on blocks with an ice pack underneath it so the fan wouldn't get too loud and the air conditioner off. And it was just a real, a really kind of a thrilling thing to try and surf that wave and, and uh, you know, uh, try and give your performance at the same time. I had a blast. Ted? Yeah. Ted, you want to share some? Well, you know, people are saying that in 2013, in a certain hotel room in uh, Moscow during the, um, um, the uh, Miss Universe pageant, a certain celebrity was, was filmed by Vladimir Putin in, uh, in an uh, indelicate situation with a 14-year-old girl. I'm just saying that people are saying that. So that's all. <laughs> Yeah, people are saying, I don't know who, you know, in fact, that 14 year old, 14 year old ended up dead, whether or not that happened in the uh, hotel room or not. Uh, I don't know or whether that happened after the fact. People are saying. That's all. I'm watching Jack's face as, as you're talking, Ted, because he, he's very expressive. 
Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't I I wouldn't put it past him. Thank you very much. I haven't heard those particular details. So well, people are saying, I don't know. I've just been hearing it around, you know. Uh, so as... Wrestling in, in shock and horror. Sorry, you... As, uh, no, it's just so hard to stay ahead of this shit, this dystopian shit. The character I played, you had to bail him out of jail to, so, he could, so he could appear in Babo. So, uh, yeah. So, that, that, you know, it's, um, it's hard. So uh, it is hard. And as we're recording this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a... a a date on this recording because uh, we're four weeks away from election day as we record this. And um, we're two days away from the premiere of Babo Supreme out to the world. Uh, but I'm, I'm putting a date on it because um, who knows what's going to happen in the, in the coming days and weeks. And, and folks might listen to this conversation, uh, you know, this week and a lot might have changed. Uh, mm-hmm. And certainly folks might listen to this in the, in the coming weeks as we head into uh, November 3rd and who knows what we'll, where we'll be. Uh, where we'll be uh, on on November third or after that date. So, uh, and I say that because uh, Tim, for my next question, um, I want to ask you about that. That you, you touched on it a minute ago, but but maybe we could dig in a little bit more to um, sort of where we are in the moment that you're releasing this. You're intentionally putting this out in the world. It's, it's it'll be just under a month before the election. Um, it, it, it has such strong connections, uh, both humorous and, and also um, as a humor as a way to channel um, activism and anger and, and uh, so many feelings. So I would love to just give you a chance to tell us a little bit about how, how and why you chose this format ultimately to, to share this story, something that you came up with in a whole different context two years ago. And now here we are, you know, under a month before the election and it, it's more real and scary and funny than ever than it could have been. Well, it, it was a year and, and some ago. It was uh, the okay, summer before last, before this past summer. But, um, and unfortunately it was, it was, I didn't change much. I mean, it was all <laughs> still there, you know, when we came around to doing it, uh, I did a couple mm-hmm. of adjustments for COVID, but ultimately the plot was the same. Uh, I, you can see it coming when the dog whistles are, are starting and you, you, you realize <clears throat> that our president is talking to white supremacists and that he's courting them and that they are um, heavily armed, that this is a very, very dangerous thing. And, you know, one of the first things he did was got rid of the, uh, the agency that was like monitoring these people. So that was pretty obvious that he wanted to use them as a base. And so that was clear from when he said there are decent people on both sides. So that, that his game was pretty obvious from the start. And so um, it's really a matter of realizing that's a truth. And so how do you tell a story about that? And I've always believed that humor is essential in telling these stories. You have to find the entertainment in, in, in the midst of, of, the, of the chaos. And... Um, and so it's re- it was really the, uh, 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 just a, just about our sitting down and letting it flow because it was all right there. The 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 uh, the story was there, um, and their election was coming up, and so I knew there was going to be a re-election campaign. I knew there was going to be some deception going on, and I knew that. But the other thing was, how do you create a world that <clears throat> um, is not the real world? 
of, of the White House right now, but is an extension of what it might be were Babo allowed to do anything. And what we, what the image I had was the White House has been turned into an entertainment studio. That there is a, a recording studio, that there is a, um, uh, uh, a, uh, a game show set, that there is a, um, a strip club, that there is, um, you know, a, a, a fun place to play room, you know, a science and cool stuff room, all kinds of different distractions, because it seems like he can't live in the moment our president. He, he's, he needs these distractions all the time. And so it was kind of fun to create this kind of fun house. This, 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 um, anything can happen in this white house. This is a circus tent and, uh, he is the, uh, the ringmaster and everyone has to listen to him and everyone has to do what he says. And what better, what better environment for a person that wants to be a star, but also wants to be regarded as smart and wants to be regarded as, as, the, as, as everything, you know, that anyone could ever imagine would be supreme. And the, the supreme in the title is also about the philosophy as well. Babo feels he is supreme and the people uh, that he represents are supreme. And that's where the danger lies. And so how do you, mm -hmm. how do you get to the, how do you get to that telling that truth without it being a lecture or a, uh, and, and then also how do you avoid the other side of that, which is let's just make fun of him. Let's just pretend to be him. Let's pretend to be his voice. And, and that was one thing I wanted to make sure that we were not doing imitations. We have to, this is a whole new person. Baba Supreme is a whole other person. He is a, a manifestation of every dream that, that Trump might've ever had. Hmm. Hmm. David, uh, I want to switch gears for a minute and talk about the music because uh, building on what Tim was just saying, I felt like in uh, listening to um, the whole story and, and hearing the, the music songs, um, they're, they're carrying some of what um, the, the actors on the, the, who we're looking at on screen and listening to right now, uh, but also the music are carrying so much of what Tim was just talking about, uh, navigating that, that line um, that, that touches on humor, that harnesses and, and, and captures the, the anger and the anxiety and the, the shock sometimes that we're all experiencing that we can tran transfer from the real world we live in now to this piece. So tell us, tell us, tell me, uh, tell our audience about some of the conversations you had with Tim about the music and, and, and coming up with sort of approach for this. Um, <clears throat> Tim had a, you know, as, as usually he has a, he has a clear, vision of in, in, in some in, in some sorts of terms um, and it was it fed right into what we do in theater um, it, 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 it's a lot like doing music for theater and then it, it kind of crosses a bridge it's a little bit like doing music for a film um, the um, the songs Tim wrote the lyrics and uh, he uh, gave them to me and I, you know, wrote music for the, for the songs. And we went back and forth on that till, uh, we were both happy. And, uh, um, I, uh, arranged all the songs as per kind of the way Tim envisioned it. You know, for instance, one of them is uh, kind of a Las Vegas sounding song. And, uh, so I had a, a chance to really have fun with, uh, with horns and, uh, cornball stuff and, <laughs> 
as far as the other, you know, the background music and all that, it's, it's just kind of, uh, it just comes and, and, uh, you know, and if Tim likes it, then it's good, you know, and, and, you know, we, we have kind of a shorthand anyway, we've been working together for a long time on and off. And, uh, uh, so it's pretty effortless and, and tends to be a lot of fun, even though it is, you know, it's intense because it's limited amount of time to get it all done. I'm uh, picking up some questions that the audience are sharing, folks that are uh, listening in and watching this recording uh, live right now. So we're going to get to those in just a moment. Um, and uh, actually, I see another one. Just Okay, so let me just start with, we have about 15 minutes, so I want to give time for some questions. Uh, I will, uh, I'm going to point this one at Jack first, and then um, if others would like to jump in as well, uh, I think it would be great to hear from each of your perspectives, um, from a bunch of different creative perspectives. What are the benefits of recording uh, this, recording a story as a podcast that you might other that that you wouldn't otherwise be able to explore uh, if if it were in a film or if it were something that was presented on a stage, uh, if it was a, a play on a stage? Uh, are there are there benefits? Maybe that was maybe another way to ask the question. Mm. Well. One benefit is just, uh, it might sound lazy, but when you don't have to wake up at six in the morning and get into costume and makeup, it frees up a little time to just focus on the character and the words in a way that you normally can't. Mm. And, uh, and to be able to, to harness all that energy in, into, a, into a radio play uh, was kind of freeing in a way. Mm. And and also, uh, it felt like we were hearkening back to a, a simpler time in a way, like a radio show. Felt like Tim was was harnessing his own inner Orson Welles, and we were putting on a radio play. <laughs> you know, what was his end of the world one that shook the world? War of the yeah. world. Yeah. <laughs> we were putting on our own little War of the Worlds. Yeah. Ray, did you feel that? Did you? Did, did yeah, you I feel the same way, you? Jack. Uh, yeah, the way Jack feels. Uh, you know, you don't have to worry about how you look. You know, that's such a big deal for actors standing in front of a camera, worrying about how in the hell you look. You know, your hair and your your eyes and everything. And didn't have any of that to worry about. Just worried about what was coming out of my lips. You know, and and how it sounded to Tim and how it sounded to me and uh, with these headphones on and it was glorious. Uh, just listening to the voices of everyone was a wonderful experience and not having to worry about looking at their face actually. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was cool. It's a, just a challenge to have to, it's kind of like when you wear a mask, you have to smile with your eyes a little bit when you're talking to people. So it's just, it makes you have to work a little harder to create the room, the space that you're in. And uh, it's just a, it's a nice challenge. I like to deal with certain obstacles and it, it is an obstacle, but it is, a, it is a, a, a gift in a way to work on radio like that. Uh, Carrie, Rita, Haley, had, had you ever done anything like this before? Is, is what uh, Ted is saying resonating with you also just that the, well, what, what's fun for me is that I, my father is in radio. I grew up okay. on the floor of studios watching my dad. Uh, my dad was the sidekick for Don Imus, for those of you that are on the yeah. East yeah. Coast. From East Coast, my dad uh, uh, left when uh, it got uh, bad. 
Um, he was uh, part of the original group. He was, my dad's a character voice guy. He's still very much alive. He's, he's, my dad is the Cocoa Puffs bird. So I grew up on the floor, <laughs> you know, watching my dad with, you know, cans on his head. They used to call him cans. Um, so there was something, um, but you know, I do cartoon work and stuff like that, but it's very different because you're still showing up, driving, finding a spot, getting there, have paper. There was something very unique about this, but then also something nostalgic to me where it felt like I was in my closet, literally, because it was, I don't have a booth in my home. So I was in my closet, in my pajamas you know, talking to some people that I know and some people that I'm meeting for the first time and having this performance and connection when I can't see you. And my computer, like Haley was saying, is propped up on a beach towel and I've got signs taped to the closet door like I'm in high school, like don't come in, you know. Um, and it kind of felt like the old days in the beginning of my sketch career with like, you know, putting it all together, like putting on a show in the closet. And um, at the same time, it felt like growing up and it was just, an, it was very intimate. You know, you're just in the, huddled in the closet, having these performances and meeting people in that way. And just one sense was very intimate. And uh, in that way it was new, but it also felt old. And it was, I'd love to do it again. Yeah. Uh, Rita, Haley, I see you two nodding. I'm curious to hear how this resonates with you. Some of what the folks are saying. Yeah, I, I did public radio for 11 years, so that was extremely uh, great for me to just be back in front of the microphone. I was in a hotel room in Atlanta, and um, I was learning from David, you know, the words and how he wanted me to sing. And it was, I just got to focus it. I'm like Jack. It was way less pressure than it would have been in person. I felt much less anxious than I would have been if I were in person. And I got to share a scene with uh, Sashir Zameda. And so we got to feed off each other as well. And just to do that audibly, it was great. And then to hear it come together, it was beautiful. Uh, but I'm, I'm a fan of radio, period. Uh, for that yeah. reason, I don't, I don't like all of having to draw eyebrows on like I had to do. This. So, <laughs> uh, much less pressure. I enjoyed it. Uh, no, I, I love doing voiceover stuff. And the, the now after six months of this, like I've, I've been able to work on a, a number of things in this one little room in my house and I just moved and I haven't even really met the neighbors yet and I just just wonder what they must be thinking I always try and be loudest with the most obviously fantastical things so they don't think it's some insane argument with myself but stuff where clearly there's you know either dinosaurs or you know I think I had to yell like two million deaths at some point and I was like just don't worry over there don't worry it's all, <laughs> all okay in here but yeah, I mean, the, the strangest feeling, I, I love the whole experience. You can lose yourself for hours in, in this world that we're all creating. The weird thing is when you take it off and shut down the program, it's like decompressing all of a sudden. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm back alone in my house. Like, it's just, uh, it's such a rewarding thing to do. And uh, yeah, radio, voiceover, I love it. And uh, I hope we get to do something like this again really soon. Yeah, uh, thank you. Tim, paint a picture for us just for a second uh, of, the, of the, the, I almost said filmmaking, sorry, the, the, the process of making this piece. Help us understand sort of how you were directing. So folks have talked about playing against each other. So is it like a Zoom, was it a Zoom interface like we're looking at now where multiple folks are on the screen? And tell us about how that was set up and how you're directing 
and 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 and, and uh, recording these scenes. So we first met on Zoom just to talk to each other, but then we we didn't see each other while we were recording. But okay. because of the, the the technical, uh, it, was, it was better to not do that. Um, it, it is a lot like filmmaking for me, it, 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 particularly in the editing process. It was as intricate and um, as specific as it was to edit a film. It, and it, each time I listened, I would hear a new little microsecond that be, could be cut for timing. And, and things would present themselves as they do when you're editing a film that you know, it's not necessary, we can cut that, we can go from this to this. I was thinking visually all the whole time. When I was writing it, it was, in t well, it was intended to be a film, so it has a visual element in it, and so it, the real challenge was how do we create that visual element with sound? How do we make, um, how do we make the audience travel from one room to another and understand and see in their imaginations what that new room looks like? It, it was essential that, I, you know, I didn't want to do a radio play. I wanted to do a radio film. So, so, I, so it needed motion. It needed to constantly be changing locations. It needed to constantly surprise the ears. It, 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 it had, to, had to have a resonance in it that would make the audience think uh, in terms of visual. And, and um, I, I, you know, it, and then with the performances themselves, you know, when you're when you're doing a comedy, you, pace is everything. And um, so when you're rehearsing, you try to get this pace on the set. And and then when you film it, you try to get that what you think is the right timing for the the what will bring the laugh. With this, it, because of the technology, there's a slight delay. So there's so it's almost impossible to do overlapping and and that kind of pace that you need. And so I was trying to get there as much as possible, but but really it was more figuring out in the editing how do we get that wicked pace, you know. And it, it took about three weeks to to to, to edit it, um, and and then it's about weaving things just like you do in a film how do you weave from how do you change what are the transitions how do you make transitions work and luckily we had the dreams escape of of babo supreme babo is always babo if for for people that have not heard it yet is a narcoleptic so he can he can fall asleep at any time and he usually falls asleep when he's uncomfortable and so it was it was a a, a beautiful way with dave's music to be able to help us in in and out of these dreams and and then he he also has this kind of obsession with being a sports hero so all of the dreams have something to do with or most of the dreams have something to do with him at the center of a sporting event uh, and so we had to create those huge crowds and the and the the ambiance of the buildings and so it was it was a lot of fun to do it was it was it was it was tremendous fun uh, thank you. Let me um, take another question. This one's from uh, Simon Cowan Oker. Uh, comedies, uh, I'll start with Tim on this, but anyone else that wants to jump in, please do. Comedies often set in the political realm can possibly be as ludicrous, hilarious, exciting, and terrifying as what we see on the news every day recently. Do you think that reality is now beyond satire? Mm. Wow. Um, no, I don't. I think there's a room for satire, but real satire. I mean, not parody. Parody is not satire. And, and a, sat, a satirist should not be invited to uh, the establishment's cocktail party. Let's just put it that way. 
he should be the feared. The, 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 you can't be polite in satire. And you can't be, um, you know, making decisions based on, oh, well, you know, I know so-and-so won't like that and I won't be invited to the new, you know, establishment party. It's, you have to be rude. You have to be daring and you have to have, to have the courage to not be invited to the party. You just, you just have to go after power, which power is both sides. Power is everybody. It's not just Republican, it's Democrat too. It's what the power structure and the hypocrisy of that power structure, that's what, that's what the satirist job is, to expose that in a way that is so funny that it creates a new truth for people that are listening. Mm. All that said, I, didn't, I, 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 I wanted to represent who this guy was, Babo Supreme, and tell that story. And so when it came to talking about his candidate uh, the, the, the he was running against, it, it, it didn't make sense to me to make that person a, a, a main character in, in the piece. It, it just didn't, it, for me, it was irrelevant. What was relevant was who this guy, Babo Supreme, is, and creating that world and his exclusion of all, all any kind of opposition. And any time opposition peeks its nose in as it does with Rita in, in the song and with Rita on the phone call. And with, uh, when he steps outside to shoot off a rocket, he, you hear protesters in the background. Anytime there's an intrusion, it's, it's meant to be an aberration um, because he's created this sealed, hermetically sealed environment where he is a genius and, and he's never, never wrong. Right, it's the Babo bubble. The Babo bubble. Yep. <laughs> Tell us a bit, we have just a few minutes uh, left for this conversation and um, folks uh, who are listening to this conversation or watching it early in its life, well, maybe only have seen or heard, I should say, the first episode. Uh, there's five total. Um, Tim, two questions. When I listened to it, uh, you shared this a few weeks ago with me and um, I responded immediately to it and we talked about how we would be able to present it, uh, something, in a, something in a different way at a festival. Um, I listened to it in two kind of 45 or almost 50 minute chunks, right? So it was like, it's like the length, the whole story, the whole Babo Supreme is about the length of a movie, but, um, but you've cut it into these chapters that are episodes about the length of what maybe a, a traditional TV episode might be or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, tell me about making that decision about how you would um, structure, uh, how you would um, cut this together for, for distribution and then maybe elaborate if you don't mind a bit uh, for folks that are just tuning into this and catching the very first episode, um, how you decided to share it with the world, how it's getting out there and, and uh, that sort of thing. Well, we're releasing it on Patreon uh, on Thursday. Uh, it's also, all the information for it is on babosupreme.com. Um, I wanted to, uh, originally I thought, well, I'd like to play this from beginning to end. And then I was sitting down and listening to it. And I, I realized, you know, there's so many distractions right now it's hard enough to sit down and watch a, a visual movie for two hours, um, you know, between the phone calls and the, you know, the different distractions in our devices. And, and so I, and, and I'd done a, a recent trip across the, the country. I drove across and I was listening to podcasts on the way. And I realized this is a, a the, this is the form for it. It has to have, um, you know, a, a, an option. You get to the end of the 22 minutes, and you can continue if you like, or you can do the laundry 
and then come back to it. Or, or you can make dinner and then come back to it. It, it, it seemed to me right for this particular moment to, to, to cut it into five parts. And each, each part has a frame as well. So it, each one is a complete episode. And, but, and yet it, it, the frame comes to, came together in a way that you probably couldn't have predicted when you first wrote the piece. You, you obviously didn't know originally it was going to be chopped up, in, you would chop it up in these ways, five pieces. Um, but yet there's these kind of natural moments, these natural breaking points or moments where, um, if not a cliffhanger, you had a sort of natural place uh, where, to, where to sort of break the action, I guess, right? Was that hard to... No, that was, that was one of those beautiful things I love about making films is that when you're in the editing room, the film tells you what it is. It, mm. it, it, you, you think you know, and then you, and then you see it, and it tells you what it is. It tells you where to cut. It tells you where it's slow. And so it kind of evolved organically as I was editing it. It, it, it felt so much better when it was in these five different pieces than it was when I was trying to create a whole movie length. Uh, version of it, which you can still do by just, you know, clicking something. So <laughs> um, we're, we're just about to wrap up. Uh, last question. You can, anybody can take this in any direction you want um, to anyone on the screen. Um, what, what do you hope the impact of this, of Vabo Supreme, your performance in it, uh, your creative participation in this, what do you hope the impact of Vabo Supreme will be? Well, I just hope that everybody enjoys listening to it and um and i hope that uh, you know this might be a whole new uh avenue of, of 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 doing things the way the way to do things and uh maybe we can do more of these things and it, it's always when you do something you, you know you want to get the most out of it that that you can and and hopefully it'll propel you into the future so i just feel like in this vacuum of the pandemic uh, uh, I'll take in, I've never taken in so much news in my life and, mm. and, and I'm constantly being washed over by this feeling of dread and like, look at this horrible leader that we have. And, and I, and I feel like it's not even, is this even happening? Is this a dream? Is this a nightmare? And, uh, I, what I hope that this piece does is to help to create a, a sense of community that, you know, we're not, you know, that, that there, there's a group. Uh, coming together to uh, to to affect social change, and that it's this is the time for everyone to join in, in a chorus. This is yeah. the time to let your voice be heard. So I was proud to be part of this. It's a little way to 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 join the chorus because uh, silence is is deadly. It, that Complicit. makes it sound like a yeah. noxious fart. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be Both silent. are true. Both can be true, Jack. <laughs> I, I mean, if I can add on to what Jack was saying, you know, we, we've had to shutter our theater in Los Angeles, the Actors Gang. And one of the frustrating things about it is that we live, artists live, particularly performing artists, live in the desire for community. Uh, how we can, how we can af affect a, the chemistry of a room how we can come into a room and tell a story and create heart and, 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 and fury and change in people. That's where we live. And, and, and it is that community that's been missing. And, and I feel that if, you know, if this thing can 
listen, if you can have listening parties with this, it, it, or even just listening to it by yourself, knowing you're not alone, and that other people are laughing at this, and other people are realizing the truth of this, can bring, as entertainment is meant to do, as art is meant to do, can bring a sense of purpose to somebody when they're in the midst of this cacophony of negativity that is coming to us every day. It allows a respite, it allows a moment for uh, expression of laughter in the midst of the ind indignation that we have. That there's, that's why art is powerful, is because it creates community, it creates oneness amongst its audience and it gives them purpose and it gives them a, a way to fight back against something that that might render them powerless without art. I guess yeah, that's, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> Just going to say that. Thanks, Tim. I second that as well. <laughs> Beautiful. I, I just hope that one person will be, their mind would be changed and that they will realize what a shit stain of a human being our president is. That's all. <laughs> And by the way, this is meant for them as well. I mean, I want them. I want those yeah. the mega people to listen to this because it, there, there is a truth that you, they, they will identify. And then once they identify that truth, they can either live with that or they can change. And and that, at least it gives them the playing field to 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 do that on. And 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 maybe they won't, and that's okay too. But mm -hmm. it, at least it presents. A, I believe it presents a reality that is not being said right. Well, here's, here's what's not working, yelling at each other. We've tried it, and it's not working. People are just digging in deeper. And I always feel like humor is a, a great way to, uh, to deliver something. I've done it with my son his whole life. If I say, that's it, we're leaving, you don't have a choice, put your shoes on, we're going, it's not going to happen as, as smoothly as I think. But if I say... I'll race you to the door. Who can do the funnier walk to the door? Sometimes the, de the delivery softens so that information can get in and that progress can be made. That's what I, that's what I, I hope. You're here. Mm -hmm. We are talking at the 58th New York Film Festival uh, about Babo Supreme. I want to thank uh, everyone on the screen and that you're listening to today for sharing. Uh, Rita Brent, David Robin, David Robbins, Ted Levine, Jack Black, Ray Wise, Carrie Kenny Silver, Haley Joel Osment, and Tim Robbins. Thank you so much for participating in the 58th New York Film Festival and for sharing in this launch for Babo Supreme. I hope everybody else will, uh, who's listening and watching today will check it out. On Patreon. On Patreon and online. Thank you for sharing it with yeah. us today. We really appreciate everybody. Thank you guys. Thank you. Chippy Lou Productions and Starburns Audio present Babo Supreme, an oral cinema podcast in five parts. Produced by Lisa Rudin. Written, directed, and produced by Tim Robbins. Original music by David Robbins. Featuring Robbins, Jack Black, Isla Fisher, Alfre Woodard, Ray Wise, Ted Levine, Patton Oswald, Haley Joe Osment, Rita Brent, Tom Lennon, Carrie Kenny Silver, Ricky Lindholm, Mary Beth Monroe, Sashir Zameda, Stephen M. Porter, VJ Foster, Brian Finney, Kylie Hollister, Luis Quintana, Bob Turton, Chaz Harvey, James Bain, Brent Hinckley, Kate Mulligan, Scott Harris, and members of the Actors Gang Theater Company. Sound designed by Brendan Lynch Salomon. Episode 1, titled Morning in America.
The president has a difficult challenge here on 18. Two strokes behind, he must clear water and a nasty bunker in order to reach the green in two on this par five hole. He's gonna have to lean into this shot with a good amount of gusto yet maintain his precision. He stands over the tee, confident, strong, determined, a statue of leadership. That's quite a shot. Yes, quite a shot. I think he's done it. I think the president has hit the perfect shot. Is there anything this man can't do? A wildly successful businessman, a world-class entertainer, the president of the United States, and an athlete beyond compare. Wait. It seems like he has stopped breathing. Something has happened. Is he asleep? He's not breathing. He's in his bedroom at the White House. Shit, what the fuck? Oh, you're okay. You're okay. Everybody loves you. What? Morning. You. You. My bunny. Boop. You've been there, Mabu. All night. Were you choking me just now? What? <laughs> like, silly. Oh, no, it's just, did I uh, stop breathing? Not a once. No need to stress. Everybody loves you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, I you can't kiss. kiss you. I haven't had a corona test for two days. They hurt when they prick your finger. I'll prick your finger. For a test? No, never mind. Did you make a joke? No. Had a great dream. Which sport? Golf. Did you win? I always win. Gonna win again. I'm Mr. November. What are the overnights on my special? Incredible ratings. Unprecedented. What'd you think? It was brilliant. So insightful. You were so forthright and so insightful. I think so, too. I thought I did excellently. The death toll hit half a million. What? Can't hear you. On the virus, the death toll hit half a million. What? No, never mind. You were up so late. Yeah, there was an incident. Some patriots took over the state house in Michigan. I need to check in with Mac, then record a song. Oh, never mind that. Come back here and cuddle up with me, Daddy. I love you, my lovey. And if I wasn't a leader of the free world, Please. I'd ravage your free world. No? <laughs> I'd ravage your democracy. Oh, Tear yeah. it all up. <laughs> I'll tear you all up. No, I can't. I gotta go. Oh, well. There he is, Mr. Mack. Good morning, Mr. President. Blah, blah, morning. Good. Your breakfast sandwich, Where's sir. Where's the Puff Patrol? Here, Mr. Mr. President. Dress me, paint me, do my hair. You got one minute. Mr. President, the Joint Chiefs are waiting in the Situation Room. No, no. The incident in Michigan has escalated overnight. Mm-hmm. Early this morning, we received images of hog-tied liberal politicians being held against their will in the Michigan State House. Uh-huh. The militias maintained occupancy of the building for the past 24 hours. Mm-hmm. The local police have refused to act. The National Guard is on alert, and you have not recommended any action. What's it called? Sir? The militia. What's it called? First is us, Mr. President. First is us. Oh, that's a good name. Yes, a good name. Not advanced grammatically, but direct. And they like us? Yes, sir. The big supporters. So what's the problem? Well, they've seized a government building, Mr. President. Mm-hmm. This is a grave situation. This is something we have to seriously consider as something we haven't seriously considered before. No. This is an actual uprising of armed people. Yeah. People mm-hmm. that love us and support our policies, yes. Mm. But they've seized a government building and are trying to force the democratically elected representatives out of office. And the problem is? These people with the guns were not Elected, sir. Blah, 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 blah. Lots of words. Just like you were arguing about locking up kids. You were wrong about that. So many less kids now, right? Hmm? Less kids trying to get in. So, ha, huh, you talk too much. We have to be careful, sir. This could unleash a beast. Leave them alone. They're patriots. Make up sissies away from me. Tie my tie. Yes, sir, Mr. President. <laughs> Look at these sheep. They're all wearing masks. All sheep. <laughs> Looking good, Mr. President. So are you, darling. Hmm? But I gotta go. 
Mr. President, we really need to get to the situation room. This is a matter of great concern. Nonsense. I got a song to do. You could get hit by lightning. You could get hit by lightning. Oh, look who's here. Morning, Mr. President. Gotta go. I'm recording. New song. And he's off. Let's check the weather. Where's the strippers? They're here. Morning, Mr. President. Morning, sir. They're drinking coffee. What the fuck? Get to work, girls. Yes, sir. Right away. Mr. President. Probably strike. We need to go All to right. the situation. There we room. go. Count it in, Rudolph. Yes, sir, Mr. President. One, two, three, four. Everybody's telling lies but me. Everybody's making up their own reality. Everyone that hates me is unable to see that Bobo is love. Bobo is love. Everybody is in love with war. Everyone that fights for me knows what they're fighting for. Bobo is shouted out from shore to shining shore that Bobo is peace. Bobo is peace. It's everybody's right to be a slave To work from morn to midnight till you meet an early grave The worker and the farmer in the home of the brave cry Bobo is freedom, Bobo is freedom It's everybody's right to be dumb The less you know, the less you care, the less to overcome Bobboist, it is the time to beat the fucking drum Cause Bobbo is strength Bobbo is strength Bobbo is strength Big boys on the move Dog. What time is the meeting with the Joint Chiefs? Oh, they've been waiting for three hours. Did sir. you remind me? Yes, sir, I did. No, you didn't. I did. You didn't. Say it. But I did. I'm not going there till you say you didn't remind me. No, I didn't. That's right, you didn't. Hello, Mr. President. No, ladies, I simply can't stop. Lap dance, Mr. President. Not you. You. Oh, yeah. Mr. President. No, this is wrong. I'm Ooh. married, and I'm the President of the United States. Ooh. No, seriously, I got a meeting with the Joint Chiefs. Important oh, stuff. Yeah. Future of the free world. Knows. You're so powerful. I gotta go tell the Chiefs what they don't know. They're such fucking idiots. You're so intelligent. Get off me. I'll get you off. I mean it. Off! Oh. I'm, I'm sorry. You happy, Mac? Look at me. I'm turning down a lap dance to go talk to the Joint Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I know what they're going to say before they say it. <laughs> yeah, it's quite presidential, Mr. President. <laughs> Good morning, Mr. President. Dweeb, where the fuck you been? I've been here. Saw the recording. Great song. Amazing. Perfect. Just been following behind. You were pure genius last night interviewing yourself. So incredible. Thanks, Dweeb. Did you get the thingy? Never mind. Shut up. Show me my wife and your spy thing. She's in the shower. She's getting clean. No looking, Dweeb. This morning, before Mac came in, mm, you know, I was here yeah, with her, uh, you know, doing the deed, you know. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Mr. Yeah, President. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, 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 hey. I got to deal with the Joint Chiefs, dude. Stay in the hall. Yes, sir, Mr. President. Big boys landed, secure situation. Good morning, Good morning Mr. Mr. President. Blah, blah, morning, blah, blah, blah. Morning, Chippy Lou. <laughs> Thanks for asking, Chippy Lou. I've been up all night, but I'm doing great, though. I'm stronger than any of you. Anybody want to arm wrestle? No, I didn't think so. Did any of you chiefs uh, see my interview with myself last night? Yes, sir. Illuminating. Insightful. Did you really watch it? We watch everything you do, sir. Yeah, I'm sure you do. We're big fans, Mr. President. Yeah, sure. Let's ask the orangutan. 
What do you think, Chippy Lou? They big fans? <clears throat> yes, sir. Uh, shall we get started? Shall we get started? Zip it, Mac. All right, let's get started. By the way, Mac was the reason I was late today. Didn't remind me. Did you see my interview with myself last night, Mac? No, you had to go to your grandkid's birthday party. The fate of the world hangs in the balance, and you're helping a fucking two-year-old blow out candles. <laughs> All right, what's first? Iran? China? Venezuela? There is great concern, Mr. President, with the situation in Michigan. Michigan. Yes, sir. First is us. Cool name. Yes, sir. First us. First is us. I knew that and you didn't. Yes, Mr. President, you knew that. Mr. President, First Is Us is a white nationalist organization comprised mostly of ex-cons, drug dealers, rogue veterans, violent thugs, sociopaths, and paintball enthusiasts. They seek the overthrow of the United States government. No, they don't. They like me. It's the liberals in Michigan they want to overthrow. Yes, Mr. President, but those people, as much as we disagree with them, were elected by the voters to serve. Well, they shouldn't have been. Well, sir, certainly, but... Be that as it may, we do live in a democracy, and we cannot allow an unlawful militia to overturn the will of the voters. Hey, Chippy Lou, what do you think about this? <laughs> hey, Chippy Lou, what do you think of the United Nations? <laughs> what, what, what did you say, Chippy Lou? Huh? Uh-huh. You think this meeting is for losers? And that the last one out of the room is what? The biggest loser? <laughs> meeting adjourned! <laughs> Video shoot. They ready? They're still setting up, sir. Mr. President, we need direction on how to proceed in Michigan. Leave them alone. I got a video shoot. They're not ready for the shoot, sir. Perhaps we should spend more time here with I'm ready to shoot. I had scheduled a bit more time with the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Are you certain, Mr. President, that we don't want to condemn this insurrection and send in the National Guard? Yes. Mr. President, we have intelligence that indicates that two other citizen militias are ready to move on state legislatures in Wyoming and Idaho. If we allow the situation in Michigan to escalate, if we do not call in the National Guard, we are quite certain that this lawlessness will spread. We call in the National Guard against anti-fascists, not against our own people. What the hell is wrong with you? I got a video shoot. They're still setting up, Mr. President. But we relate to this, so now we should be on time. Yes, sir. By the way, whose clock is it? Sir? Who owns time? You do, Mr. President. What I say goes, and that means schedule. And I should never be early for anything. I have to be anticipated. And if I'm not anticipated, I might as well be dead. Tell them they have five minutes to get ready to shoot, or they're all fired, and then I'll show up in ten. Yes, sir, Mr. President. Well, we'll take ten minutes. Well, perhaps you want to check back in with the Joint hey, Chiefs. let's go set off a rocket. On the move-in route, science and cool stuff room. Dwayne, show me my wife and your thingy thing. She's eating cornflakes. Boring. Big boys landed secure science and cool stuff room. Good morning, Mr. President. Good morning, Mr. President. Blah, 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 blah. Morning, good. Where's the, uh, the pinkish powder? Oh, there, there. there. Here, watch this, dude. Okay. You might not want to read that in. Yes, I'll put the fan on. <laughs> oh, look, look, dweeb, dweeb. They put their masks on, quarantine them. <laughs> you, uh, you were brilliant last night, Mr. President. I was. I've been talking to my wife, Egghead. Didn't realize she was sharing intimate details about the... <laughs> okay, hysterical, Mr. President. No, I'm, I'm referring to your interview with yourself. It was insightful. It was brilliant. Yes, brilliant. Liar. You didn't watch. I could tell when you lied. I'm not lying, sir. I watched. I did. It was insightful. If you did, you would have said something earlier. But I actually did watch. If I say you lied, you lied. Just say you're sorry and we'll move on. 
I'm sorry. See? Told you you were lying. Uh, Mr. President, Dr. Merritt and Professor Ensign have been looking for a moment to speak to you. Perhaps now is a good time. What? Rising death rates from the killer flu? No vaccine until never? Want me to wear a mask again? <laughs> Give it a break, scientists. Uh, it's actually not all of those things, sir. It's something else. Uh, now I just came in to get a rocket. Give me a big one. Now, there's some alarming new statistics, Mr. President, that we wanted to call your attention to regarding the rise in sea levels at a much quicker and more devastating rate than previously anticipated. That's all, like. Sir? That's all, like. The Mormon congressman told me that the sea level actually went down. So the science is still out, as they say. Jury's still out. Not proven. Just theory. Mr. President, the levels of Salt Lake might have something to do with the late snowfall this year in Utah. You said might. Well, I meant it does have something to do with the late snowfall. It's a lake, sir. There are different measurements, different statistical data to consider with lakes. But it's a salt lake. Sir? Salt water, idiot. Same as the water in coastal areas. Salt water. Same water. One rises, one sinks. Inconclusive science. Eh? 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 Give me a rocket. Mr. President? Mr. President, Dr. Merritt and Professor Edson have been faithful stewards of the climate change as a hoax philosophy for many years. They've led the fight to discredit climate scientists since the early 80s. They are soldiers, sir, are soldiers. So when they tell you the sea level and temperature rise threaten the future of mankind, they actually mean that the sea level and temperature rise will threaten the future of mankind. We actually have to do something, Mr. President. We don't do something. We do everything. Figure out a solution to this. Invent it. It's uh, already invented. It means a reduction of carbon emissions and transferring immediately to clean energy. Reduction. I hate that word. That's a negative word. Reduction like reduce, like diet, like you can't have that, like you're a loser, like you can't afford that, like you're fat and you don't deserve anything because you're a weak, spoiled, insecure child who was never loved by his father. You don't. I've heard it before. I hear it fucking nightly. Fucking bullshit. So lose that word reduction out of your vocabulary and find a way to increase, gain, take, grow. Positive words that stimulate, inspire, get you rock hard. Find a way to increase consumption and save the environment. Put your greatest egg brains on it. Our greatest brains have been let go due to their radical advocacy for alternative energy sources. Those weren't our greatest brains, Mac. Our greatest brains aren't limited by one set of facts. Our greatest brains can hold two or three sets of facts at the same time. Use them indiscriminately as they choose. Find me scientists like that and develop a serum to save the world. A potion. Formula that when released turns the whole world into ice. Or uh, the opposite. Uh, or somewhere in the middle. In the meantime, we should build a wall against the sea. On the move in route, Rose Garden, secure perimeter, eyes on Lafayette Park. Hey, take the rocket. Okay, run, I got run, it. Run, run, run. Set it up. Set it up. How's set it up. I mean, more that way, dude. Oh, I got you. I got you. Got you. Got you. Oh, Congress. Oh, of course. <laughs> That's really? it. That, oh, a little farther right. A little yeah, bit yeah, yeah. Right there. Yeah, yeah. You're, 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 okay. Well, light. Light, 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 light it, light it. No, careful, Mr. President. <laughs> Mr. Mischief, was that you? No, Saliana, one of the scientists did it, an experiment, keeping the world safe, you know? <laughs> I don't know, Saliana. If I didn't know better, I'd say that rocket was pointed toward Congress. I'm just blowing off some steam, Polonius. It helps the nerves. I highly recommend firing off a rocket or shooting off some rounds in your backyard to get the blood flow in the right direction. Excellent advice, Mr. President. I do it myself. I love me some 357 Magnum. What about you, Felonius? I'm a Glock man myself. I have a Civil War rebel pistol that I'm partial to. I've modified it so it has the accuracy of a modern weapon. I like it because it carries a history with it. Mm. Mr. President, I thought your interview with yourself last night was brilliant. So insightful. Thank you, Sally Ann. I put a lot of thought and care into what I wanted to ask myself, and I felt like I answered honestly. You did, sir. You certainly did. Okay, that's enough. I've got a country to run. Good morning, America. But just my peeps, the rest of you are creeps. And a big shout out to the Patriots in Michigan. 
big boy on the moon. Coming up, we'll take a look at new propaganda by atheist groups. Mr. President, you just showed support for the insurrection in Michigan on national television. No, I didn't. Who was the last one out of the room? This could lead to disastrous consequences. Who was the last one out of the room? Who's the biggest we loser? We highly advise that you do not support the insurrection in Michigan. Reed, who was the last one out of the room? Edward, who's the last one out of the room? Anwar. Anwar? You're the biggest loser. <laughs> 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 and may I remind you, gentlemen and lady, that none of you would have your jobs if it wasn't for me. And if anyone wants to keep their jobs and not wind up in jail, there's an election we have to win in three weeks, and we need at least 15% of the black vote to win. So you tell me what's more important, some skirmish in Michigan, or that I go record my next kick-ass campaign video aimed at the urban demographic. I'm out of here. Big boys landed secure perimeter. Let's roll playback. Roll camera. And I never dated no jungle fever Never was a friend of the panther But black people love me Uh-huh Yeah, yeah, yeah He's no man He's got no fucking plan Just throwing racist shit into the frying pan Playback caught camera. Well, those aren't the words. What the fuck were you singing? I mean, we don't know. Maybe we got mixed up. Yeah, what are the words? Rudolph, what are the words? Uh, sorry, singers, the words are, he's our man, he's got the super plan. You said, no fucking plan. Uh, and then you said, uh, just throwing racist shit into the frying pan. That should have been the beloved king of the common man. And then you go into the champagne in a beer can, vote Bobbo, vote Bobbo, vote Bobbo, okay? Shall we try another take? Sure. Right, sure. Uh, let's do Pick it up at the chorus. Roll playback. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a dreadful man. A man with awful fans. Cut playback. Get them out of here. These are not the lyrics you were hired well, to do. He's not our man. We can't sing this shit. This man is a racist. Absolutely. You're a racist. Girl, fuck this shit. Right? You think you can buy our souls, motherfucker? Fuck you. No amount of money is worth this shit. You damn right. Fire them all, Mac. Dweeb, come with me. Okay. Your solarium of all non-essentials. Television room, Dweeb. And route DEFCON 16. I need to know how those black radicals made it into the White House. I could have been killed. I want an internal review of screening procedures and a full report on my desk by the morning. Yes, Mr. President. Show me my wife, Dweeb. She's doing yoga. Let the tension leave your body. Let it melt away as you move into a downward dog. Oh, that's my life. That's what I live with. A downward dog. What'd she say? I didn't catch it. Here we are. Big boys landed. DEFCON 60 secure Welcome perimeter. Welcome to DEFCON 60. Security scan complete. So many feeds, so many screens. What are they all saying, Dweeb? May I say, sir, that I admire your non-action on Michigan. I don't think the Joint Chiefs or McMurph truly understand what is happening. Well, they say it's illegal, Dweeb, that it's dangerous for democracy. It is the epitome of democracy, Mr. President. It is the people keeping the fire of democracy alive, taking back what has been stolen from them by radical leftists, immigrants, blacks, and the media. You're damn right, Dweeb. What's to watch? What the hell is that? Sir? Who are those people in the black mask? Anti-fascists. They're surrounding the Michigan. State House. They shouldn't be allowed to be there. What are they saying? Bobo's a piece of 
shit! You're a piece of shit! This is a new low for the president. A very dangerous slip of the tongue that could have violent consequences. The president seemed to be implying support for the terrorist group that has taken over the Michigan legislature. Terrorist group? Did you hear that, Dweeb? They're patriots. Ridiculous, right? Well, oh, look, Dweeb, our opponent. Michael Toast. I call him Milk Toast. <laughs> yeah, right? Genius nickname, Mr. President. <laughs> What's he saying, Dweeb? This is an outrage. Our moron president just went on his White House propaganda morning show and supported violent criminals engaged in treason. This is outrageous. This is where we are, and it is not just the president. It is a whole mess of these traitors in his party that have betrayed their country and allowed this lawlessness to spread. Oh, we are going to crush him in the debate. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the third party candidate. Why the hell are they letting her on the air? Alton Pure is a radical communist, Mr. President. She should be arrested and put in jail. And so should anyone who puts her on television. What's she saying? You can't fight a fascist with decency? You're showing up for a death match with a ping pong paddle and some love beads. We are looking at the death of the Republic. This president is a criminal menace to the people he has vowed to serve. Hundreds of thousands are already dead from his incompetence with the COVID virus. She's crazy. Really crazy. Criminally crazy. I'm gonna call her crazy lady. <laughs> <laughs> Another genius nickname. They just roll off your tongue. I know. I'm a poet, Dweeb. It comes natural. You show me my news, Dweeb. The president showing a new brilliance last night in his Babo on Babo interview. He asked himself some very tough questions and was able to respond with insight and spontaneity. A winning evening for the president. And the ratings were incredible, Sally. It was like everybody was watching, and I mean everybody. And what a fascinating interview. It was fascinating and insightful. I like these two. Don't you like them? The best. They're the best. These two are real journalists. They get it. So good. We should consider them for cabinet positions or make them judge. Absolutely. Mr. President, the situation in Michigan has turned violent. I knew before you knew. I saw it on TV. They're lying. We should meet in the situation room, sir. It's the people in the black masks that are the problem. That's my message to the Joint Chiefs. Go after the anti-fascists. Call in the National Guard on them. Restore order. What's next on the schedule? Twitter war room, Mr. President. But this situation is urgent. There are deaths reported. Who's the Prez, Mac? Who's the Prez, fucknut? You are. We are not sending in the military against the Patriots in Michigan, Mac. They're supporters of mine. If the military kill them, they won't be able to vote for me. Huh? Not a good election strategy, right? Going to see the nerds, dweeb. Big boys landed Twitter warmer, secure perimeter. Hello, nerds. Oh, Mr. President, sir. What's the word on the ground? Well. This Michigan thing has blown up, Mr. President. Uh, mostly negatively, a large majority of people are saying you should be removed from office immediately. What's our response? Oh, you know, we're calling them radicals. We're bringing up Branch Davidians and other illegal takeovers by the feds. There's a whole Ruby Ridge thread, Bundy's, Waco, the long tradition of civil rebellion against oppressive governments. But, sir... Mr. President, this reaction is serious. It's unprecedented. We're getting a lot of blowback. It's not true. Yes, sir. It's not true. It's a fake reaction. Robots. Yes, yeah, it's robots. Well, um, Mr. President, considering that there are a few, just a, a couple verified people out there, as there usually are, I mean, that's what we do in this room. What we're dedicated to, we're honored to be doing. We're going after people that are being unfair to you. We're fighting for you. But uh, given that there are a couple people calling for your removal from office for supporting the insurrection in Michigan, what will your official response be, Mr. President? What did I say? You, you said... What did I say on the morning show? Oh, you said, quote, and a shout out to the patriots in Michigan, unquote. Okay, here goes. Ready? Ready. 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 Say I didn't say it. Then 10 minutes later, tweet out, go patriots. Uh -huh. 
Hashtag Super Bowl. <laughs> Three minutes after that, tweet out of the Antifa clip where they knocked down the old lady. You know that clip. And say, this is a real threat to America. Six minutes after that, tweet a clip from the Rose Garden Morning Show. Felonies and Sally said some really nice things. Then wait 12 minutes and accuse Milk Toast of supporting anti-fascists with his bank ties. Hashtag hypocrite. Then a minute later, send a picture of him wearing one of his bad ties. Hashtag it bad ties, bad lies. Hashtag traitor. 37 and a half minutes later, tweet highlights from my interview with myself last night and the clip of me dancing the boss Nova with Mabu. Hashtag go Michigan. <laughs> really? I'm constantly amazed. What else are you working on, head nerd? Well, this one is deep level subversive. I can't take credit for this one. It was Cookie's idea. Cookie? Which one's Cookie? I am, sir. Um, the project has already been implemented, Mr. President. We became the leftiest lefties. <laughs> we have an army of digital soldiers that pretend to be radical left opposition voices, and we amplify their stupidest, most reactionary tendencies. <laughs> we all have lefty lefty accounts. My handle is Trotsky Cubs fan. <laughs> I'm Taoist communist. I'm Little Red Hen. <laughs> I'm also Death to Liberty. <laughs> I'd kill the rich. That's my favorite. <laughs> um, what happened? It's normal. It's normal. See, when people tell him things that aren't about him, or when other people are getting laughs at too much attention, he can disengage. If one believed in psychiatric science, it would be called some kind of narcoleptic defense mechanism. Just be grateful he didn't tear your head off for talking so much. A little advice for next time. Let him tell a couple of jokes, okay? And always, always remember to ask him questions like you don't know anything. And never, never talk that long without letting him weigh in. All right, that'll be all. Get back to work. You are the front line in the defense of liberty. Big boy on the move. Where are you taking him? We're in a cold red crisis in Michigan, Dweeb. Something must be done. The president has already weighed in on this, Mac. We should be headed the other way. The president wishes to be a debate right now. Listen, you little rump bastard. There are armed radicals taking over a government building and threatening to kill elected representatives. This is not a Nazi country. This is a country founded by radicals and revolutionaries. Michigan is Bunker Hill. No, this is Crystal Knot. This is the end of democracy in this country. 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 Thank you for listening to episode one of our five-episode series. Episodes are available to our subscribers on October 8th. Please visit patreon.com slash Presents. Love cinema? So do we. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button for the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. The latest conversations with the world's greatest filmmakers will be delivered to your library as soon as they become available. Thank you for listening. 